Hey guys, welcome to the Mom Voice. This is Lauren and Sarah with episode 91. Okay, yes, we have a special guest in studio today, Miss Emmy Diane. Welcome. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. We have so many questions to ask you. She specializes in adult problematic skin. Would you say that's fair, Emmy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Problematic skin issues, the unsolvable issues. She really is a miracle worker and she's been in the business for 20 years. She's an esthetician, started in Northern California, made her way down here to Scottsdale. And so we're so excited to be able to sit with you here today and kind of talk about some of our adult skincare questions that we have for you. Yeah, I am so excited because I, my sisters and I have been talking about this very issue. We had a friend that's kind of struggling with this. And even me, I feel like I've kind of had my my worst battles with my skin in the last few years than in my adult, my whole adulthood. So there is something to be said for adult acne. Yeah, there totally is. And you have put out a product line by your name, Emmy Diane. And how would you describe that product line that you sell? So, you know, because I do specialize in problematic skin types, it's really a results-driven product line. Um, And along with the products, I offer all of my clients lots of education through a consultation because what I know to be true is, is that it's not just what you use, it's also how you use it. So I give specific customized regimens to people, but there's also a lot of outside factors that we have to take into consideration in order to be truly successful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really that that personal guidance that is kind of the magic or I guess mm-hmm. the difference behind Emmy Diane. I love that. And you you ship all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. 18, yeah, I think you said 18 countries. We do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all over the United States. It's pretty incredible. And we were just talking off the mic about your your story. You really are just a self-made powerhouse over here. And we're just so excited to pick your brain today. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's yeah, let's just dive into adult acne. So Emmy, what is exactly adult acne? That's a good question. So I'm I'm asked this a lot about how adult acne like differs from teenage acne. And the truth of the matter is, is that the root cause of it is always the same. And it's really interesting because um, most of us have read online about, you know, what you know, the internet tells us causes acne. And there's so many myths and and, um, mistruths about that, Mm -hmm. that this is why so many struggle and they can't find a good solution. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the root cause of acne is due to genetically defective pores, meaning that those of us with acne prone skin, we actually have pores that malfunction due to like the acne gene. I have never heard that before. Have you? No. Genetically malfunction pores. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And they can um, kind of come about at different points in life. So generally we think of it as a teenage affliction and because hormones tend to be a catalyst for the onset of this defect, um, that's why we see it a lot in teenage years, more so among boys and men because you think of them going through puberty. But as women, we go through so many hormonal fluctuations throughout our lives. So even if you didn't have acne as a teenager, it's actually more common for adult women to have the onset happen in their early 20s or um, 
during their adulthood, say, you know, if they go on or come off of birth control, if they have children, um, Mm -hmm. some pregnancies, you can have glowing skin and the next you have, you know, horrible eruptions on your face. Um, And I even have women into their, you know, 50s and 60s who are still dealing with this. And it has a lot to do with our hormonal fluctuations. So, you know, if you're an adult woman out there, I think there's a lot of stigma still behind adult acne and we feel like we're alone, but actually we are the majority and uh, adult acne is on the rise. Um, Studies have shown that it's more common now than ever. And I believe it's about 45 to 55% of the adult women population are struggling with it. So, um, and me personally, I've actually had acne prone skin my whole life, which is part of the reason I'm so passionate about transforming skin is because I've had to personally deal with, you know, how much it affects us. It's not a vanity issue. It's really, really like, you know, how how confident you feel, yeah. how willing you are to go for your dreams, how you show up for mm-hmm. people, you mm-hmm. know, so it really affects our whole life. Absolutely. And mine personally, so my background, I've never struggled hugely with acne. If anything, I was never that pregnant woman who had the glowing skin. I kind of feel like throughout the course of having my children, my skin went a little haywire. Like I had good skin and then it would go bad when I was pregnant. But acne like hurts. When I get it, it like really hurts me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like when I touch it, there'll be these really deep painful ones. And I'm sure there's different types of acne, but like, yeah, it can like be physically painful. Well, I think that's a good, you bring up a good point. Emmy, is acne like consist of X amount of blemishes on your face or can it be like one or two very like deep rooted like pimples? Because when I think of acne, I, you know, I think of just like covered. So tell us, Emmy, what like classifies you into acne? Is there kind of like a separation or just any sort of breakout? That's a really good question. And, you know, I have my online consultation where, you know, that's something that I have to kind of um, determine based off of information that someone provides me as well as the pictures that I see because there are various types of acne. And many times I'll get consults where women won't say that they have acne, but from their pictures, it's like, oh girl, we've got to handle this yes, first. Yes, right, but, right. Um, you know, because there are various types, um, kind of, you know, what you were speaking to about cystic acne, um, that can happen to some people. And depending on how frequent it is, I would classify them as acne prone. However, there's also people who mostly have non-inflamed acne. And non-inflamed acne is when there isn't a bacterial component present. So many people don't think of this as acne because it's more like clogged pores and blackheads. Mm-hmm. And But it doesn't turn into like that red inflamed pussy pimple that you think of. However, that is a form of acne that we do need to address as well in order to improve like the texture of the skin, the clarity of the skin. So, so many terms I've never heard before. (laughs) So you're no, but that's funny because the pores and the blackheads, are you saying you can like fix blackheads? Like you don't have to have, I always figured you kind of had to have blackheads because it's like you have your pores and dirt and junk gets into it and you wash it. 
but is there a way to totally eliminate blackheads? Okay, good question. So big difference between a blackhead, which Mm -hmm. is going to be a truly clogged pore, which generally will be kind of, the pore will be a larger size than the surrounding pores and it will kind of have a black top to it because that's the oil on top oxidizing almost like how an apple turns brown when you cut into it, Mm. it oxidizes. Now, Mm. what you might be referring to is they're called sebaceous filaments and we all have sebaceous filaments generally found like on the nose and the chin area and they're these little uniform dots and what that is is basically our pores have their own natural cleaning process where it flushes out uh, dead skin cells and along with it oil and um you know, sweat and anything else. And when you squeeze them, they almost turn into these like long snaky like things. That's exactly, you're describing exactly what I have on my nose and my chin. Totally. So keep going. So you cannot get rid of sebaceous filaments. This is actually your skin functioning properly. However, so many of us feel like this is like a defect of our skin and, and we think that others can see it on us. But the truth of the matter is we all have it. Unless somebody is like, super duper duper dry we all have it um, and nobody can see it on you because you're not standing that close and you're also not like stretching your chin skin to look for it you know what I mean so and I really suggest leaving those alone because the more you pick at them the more you chance like it turning into a breakout because Mm -hmm. you push bacteria inside or around the nose you can get broken capillaries which are like those red lines and and only a laser can correct those and that's pretty expensive so interesting step away from the mirror (laughs) jaw on the floor right now no my see i i have no words i like well i i i've not even thought about that but i'm so glad you brought that up because i do get those on my chin and my nose and then talking about it i'm like are those the root causes of like what turn into blemishes but you're saying Everybody has those, and though that's it, my that's my skin doing its job exactly. Okay, and, that's good. And there are ways that you can like minimize them by yes. using exfoliating ingredients, yes. such as um, my favorite exfoliating ingredient is mandelic acid, which is like the cousin of glycolic acid. Okay. Oh. Um, also, lactic acid is great for those who use retinol. That can also help to kind of refine down the debris in the pores, but. It will always be there. Um, And on that same note, many people ask me frequently, how do I shrink my pores? And again, the truth of the matter there is that's impossible because your pore size is genetic. You can't actually shrink it. Yes. But- if it is uh, filled with debris and has dilated it by keeping it clean by using ingredients like this or, you know, getting treatments to help um, uh, clean them out. Yeah, extract anything yeah. that shouldn't be there that can help to manage your pore size. So interesting. Uh, okay, I have one more question on this. I, yeah. I didn't mean to go you're, into pores. You're just off script. I, I know I'm it. off script yeah, here, yeah, but go. this is like, okay, so when you put on your makeup and let's just say you have the blackheads or like just the kind of more bigger pores. What should we be filling those pores with? Like, what should we put on a first layer of something medical? Should we put on a primer? Because I'm sure makeup just going into that, those little pores and blackheads every day is not a good thing. Well, okay. Or does it matter? Yes, it matters. Yes. And here's why. So um, most products on the market, skincare products and makeup, 
have pore clogging ingredients in them. And Mm -hmm. this is what really differentiates my line from other product lines out there is I refuse to allow any pore clogging ingredients in any skincare or makeup. So I do actually have a list that people can reach out to me for of my... um, my acne safe makeup suggestions. Okay. Now what's interesting about that is that many times people who are acne prone or are worried about clogging their pores will not use a primer because of an ingredient in it called dimethicone, which is a silicone. um, And that creates kind of that smooth surface. Now Mm -hmm. what's interesting Mm -hmm. about dimethicone is that it is actually not pore clogging. It is a breathable barrier that is a fantastic ingredient in order mm. to kind of protect the skin and help to support a, um, a healthy moisture barrier. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that in most primers, there are other ingredients that are pore clogging. Interesting. But it's not the one that you think. So yeah, again, I have a list. Do you that, have a pri- do you make a primer? Well, our mineral tinted sunscreen, which is like literally our best seller, it acts and feels like a primer because so it does have the dimethicone. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay. a lot of my clients use that as their makeup primer um, before they put makeup on, but that will help to smooth the surface yes. and kind of blur the skin. Absolutely. And that, okay. that provides the sunscreen that you need also. A hundred percent. For aging and all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're we're going to get into aging and SPF, but let's really quick talk just a little bit more about adult acne. So- I, well, yeah, my jaw is on the floor too. Uh, my, I, there are so many good things here. Um, you wrote an interesting article about the four things that, no, the five, the five things that can cause adult acne. We kind of touched on hormones. I don't know if you want to go through the whole list and tell us, because I think all of these things are so like relative. We all deal yeah, with this between yeah. hormones and diet and yeah. all of these things. Well, and some of them are in our control. It yes. sounds like to some degree, like stress, full right. of like, stress is on you there. know, managing that and taking care of that. But yeah, let's go through that list. You tell us what's the the highlights. The first one is stress. And right now, I mean, things are crazy and stressful. Yeah. So do you feel like that just really can set people's skin off or set their like hormones? Do you think it's or- amped up the, the acne in adults? A hundred percent. So, um, you know, the thing is, is that our lives today versus like, our mom's life back in the day. Yeah. And we're running a million miles a minute. We are multitasking fools, yeah. <laughs> which no. we mm-hmm. are not geared to be. And quite honestly, like, I don't know anyone who's not stressed, but I do know a lot of people who will tell me they're not stressed, but it's only because you know, being stressed is kind of like a sign of weakness to admit that. Yes. Um, And so, and also I think that we have kind of acclimated to this new level of demand on ourselves that we don't even think of it as stress. And so, you know, if you have sleepless nights, if you feel like, you know, you have no me time, if you feel like... Talk to me, Emmy. You're drained. Yes, girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, the self-care, we need those I'm nodding. I'm nodding right now. Totally. So we're Mm. way more stressed than we used to be as a, you know, as humans. Yeah, Yeah, as a culture. And just the amount of information coming Mm -hmm. at us all day long. Like, I think I read a stat somewhere that said 
the amount of information we get today in the news in the world is the same as a person would have gotten in their entire lifetime like 200 years ago. Oh, oh totally. Oh, probably, yeah. Like what? In a day. Isn't that wild? Information overload. Ignorance yeah. is bliss, people. I know. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so number two on the list is diet. And my sisters and I were talking about this because my one sister is very much about all about gut health. And she thinks her skin is doing some crazy things because of her gut. Um, and I know gut health and even diet can be two different things, but like talk to us about how our diet affects our skin. Okay. So first and foremost, um, while there can be links to diet when it comes to like rashes, if you have like an allergy to something, that would be true. But when it comes to like an acne issue, um, Many times people come to me and they say, I need to do a cleanse. And it's like, well, no, because I also have people who eat incredibly clean and they still are triggered by the foods that they eat. And so there are a couple of reasons why food is triggering to acne. And it's not because of toxins. Um, It doesn't work that way, basically. Mm, But it's because of dietary iodine which we usually think of as iodized table salt. But if you think of any sort of processed foods, packaged foods, um, fast foods, takeout foods, restaurant foods, they all have a higher sodium salt content, which gives them a shelf life. And a this is, yeah, yeah, this is the dietary iodine. And as a you know modern American culture, we're so dependent on these processed packaged foods, um, you know, we're always eating out or grabbing something to go. And so this right. elevated iodine in our diet is what is, um, it's, it's irritating to the follicle or the pore, which sets off an acneic response in those who have acne prone skin. So that's one of the big reasons. Mm. The other reason is high sugar diets. Mm. So this would be more for people who are stressed out. Um, many times people say, oh, you know, chocolate triggers my acne. And it's like, mm, no, it's not the chocolate per se. It's more the sugar. And like, you're probably stressed because you're eating it. So I'm the worst. Amy. <laughs> we all are. I th- uh, I'll be honest. I ate tooth. ice cream this morning because I was feeling stressed. <laughs> <laughs> so that does make me feel better. Actually, <laughs> totally. It was cashew milk ice cream because uh, milk is a uh, dairy is an acne trigger, but right. still the sugar, you know. Yes. So, and so. How, how does that work? Like, is it actually something in the sugar that produces the acne or what's going on there? So when you're eating a lot of sugar, it actually kind of just throws the skin out of balance because Mm. it can be like food for bacteria, but it really just throws your natural flora off of your skin and everything. And also insulin has a lot to do with how our skin is affected because insulin is a hormone. It also then starts to affect our, you know, like we think of like our lady hormones. Um, So it's sort of this chain reaction that it goes down when you do have a lot of sugar in your diet it then affects your hormonal balance which then affects all sorts of other things your mood you know mm-hmm. sugar crash um, yeah, right, you know your right. skin so know, many things I so. know but are there good types of sugar like fruits and or can you have too much fruit um like where are you at on that you think I mean I'm all about everything in moderation. Yeah. And is there like a tipping point per se? I, you know, I probably, but I don't know what it is. But yeah. if somebody's eating fruit, you know, I would never 
yeah. fault them on that one. Right, you of know? course. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But it's, it's all about finding that balance and finding good substitutes that work for you. So also, I mean, I guess if somebody was eating a lot of fruit, it's like, okay, well, if you, what is it that you like about it? Like a crunchy apple? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe like, what about the crunch of like a cucumber mm-hmm. and do that a little more? Okay. Okay. I will say to all my sugar addicts out there, when I'm trying to be really good, if I'll get like a honey crisp apple and then there's a Justin's brand almond butter and there's a vanilla one, vanilla oh, Justin's yummy. almond butter. I will have like a tablespoon of that and I'll cut yummy, an apple yeah. up and it's like my Satisfying. best treat ever. Yeah. Yes. And it satisfies my sweet tooth. It's great. Mm-hmm. So no, that's a good option. A tip. tip, mama. Yes. yes. Great tip. Okay. Emmy, you mentioned hormones. Let's just dive right into hormones. Hormones is like, I mean, that probably the big question mark. We all have the, the crazy hormones. My one other sister, I have a few sisters. She was saying um, she has a baby that's 10 months old. And so she, her skin's just way out of ra- whack. And of course, I mean, rightfully so, uh, right after having a baby. But then I will say when I was pregnant, I would have like flawless skin, like the best skin I've ever had. And then post baby, I don't really remember. Like it'd be okay. It's all a blur post baby. But I probably had like, you know, not as great of skin. And then now that I've been done having babies for a few years, my skin is more complicated than it's been in years. So hormones, I mean, poor women, us poor women, hormones is like it controls and manages so much of everything. But how is that playing into it? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think that... I think that for most women, um, some sort of like hormone imbalance in their life is it's becoming more the norm. And, um, you know, I have um, some naturopathic clients that, you know, we kind of bounce this off of each other. And, And again, it has a lot to do with different factors. I mean, you know, for you, you have four children, the stress could be really throwing the hormone balance Mm -hmm. off. And, and, you know, for that reason, um, I do kind of suggest to people that if they do really feel like they have a hormone imbalance to seek out a specialist who, um, deals with hormones. And generally I, I recommend naturopaths because they deal with optimal range rather than sort of Western medicine that deals with the normal range where you could be in a normal range, but that, I mean, it's not optimal. Normal is like, I don't know, you're like still alive and optimal is like you're thriving. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. and, um, and are they doing blood panels? Mm -hmm. What are they doing there? Yeah. Yeah. It would be like a blood test and everything. Um, but that can be really helpful, especially if you feel like your hormones are out of whack. But again, if you're dealing with acne, just remember hormones are a trigger for acne. So even if you get your hormones balanced and you're acne prone, it doesn't mean that magically your skin is clear because it's that genetic defect. But by getting those in check, it does help a lot. And a a lot of my clients um, will come to me when doctors will put them on birth control to help their skin, which Mm is, I have to kind of laugh at this because generally the birth control that they put them on is the birth control that's the most triggering to acne. And I'm not quite sure how it gets marketed this way or prescribed this way, but it does. And then on the flip side, many people are on birth control and then are given another medication called spironolactone or aldactone, which is a testosterone inhibitor. So here they are now inhibiting what's happening from the birth control, like increasing the testosterone mm-hmm. and really like your oh. hormones are all out of whack. And so, yes. you know, getting a balance on that is super key, I think, for women who are really dealing with adult acne. Um, and then there are conditions too, like PCOS that leads to hair growth on the face and really yeah. that 
incredibly, um, you know, stubborn cystic acne. And that's a that's a whole nother topic. But um, hormones are definitely a huge factor. So you're saying, though, if the hormones are out of whack, it's not the actual hormones that are causing the pimples to pop up. It's more or is it? It will exacerbate the condition, yes. but it won't. It, it's not the the reason that it's the happening. Root cause. Okay. Because think okay. of it this That's way. Good. You could have a girlfriend and like she never washes her face at night. She has horrible PMS. She eats whatever she wants, you know, and I she, hate those girls. Totally. And <laughs> she never breaks out, right? Right. Yeah. So Absolutely. why is that? And it's it's simply because she doesn't have the genetically defective pores. Yeah. yeah. So fascinating. That's okay. the differentiating factor. Okay. So interesting. But if you if you're feeling off you feel like something could be going on with the hormones, maybe seek out a, a naturopath to Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. get some blood work done. Okay, great. Um, the next one you have on the list here is skincare, makeup, and hair care. I mean, let's dive into that. Yeah. Well, how do they contribute? So we kind of talked about this before where um, unfortunately most makeup on the market does have pore clogging ingredients. And the same is true for hair care um, and body care. And I will say that um, I I love eating organic. I mm-hmm. love natural things. However, if you're acne prone, the this clean beauty, natural beauty movement is going to just tear your face up because the uh, natural ingredients, the um, oils and things like that that they tend to use in these products are some of the most comedogenic or pore-clogging ingredients, um, including like coconut oil, which is the most important clogging ingredient on earth. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yes. So all of these trends using oil yes, to clean your makeup off. Cleansers? Yes. What? Do, how do you feel about those? Well. Um, first no. of all, no, yeah, <laughs> because don't, don't do it. pore clogging. But second of all, when you use an oil cleanser to remove makeup, and then if you go back with another cleanser, think of how hard it will be to actually get that oil off of your face. So let's say that now you're going to be putting like an expensive serum on the skin or something that you want to penetrate the skin. It's it will not clogged. get past that oil because yeah, the oil creates yeah. an occlusive barrier. So you've done a disservice in order to get the most well, benefit from your skin. I want to read the list here. It says some of the worst offenders are coconut oil, argan oil, cocoa butter, and others. These are all things that we see on the side of our bottles of things that we're using. And so, and you're saying that those can be extremely clogging. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and again, this is true if you are acne prone. So if you have normal skin, like go crazy, enjoy. <laughs> I wish I could. Oh, but yes. if you have problematic skin, and a lot of times too in adult women, we also deal with um, body acne because body acne is significantly triggered by stress and hormones. I have that, Emmy. You do. And Lauren makes fun of mm-hmm. me. Not bad at all, but I'll get these little I bitty. Don't make fun of you. Not, well, you say you don't get. Boob app. Yeah, boob she at me. She gets a, yes, I get yes. like these little bitty spots right in between my boobs. Mm-hmm. And then like a I, I couple can get them on my back sometimes. Spots on my back. Yeah. yeah. I'll get so them on my back sometimes. When somebody in a consult tells me that they're dealing with that, what I look for is what hair care products are they using? Mm. And are they using um, uh, fabric softeners, um, even wool balls? Because wool contains lanolin, which is a very poor clogging ingredient. Um, so these different factors can really play a role into like, why are you getting body acne? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what kind of body wash should, or shampoo, is there something we should be watching for like 
to avoid free that. or like, I mean, what should we be looking for to make sure we're not getting the wrong thing? So um, in my Acne Bible, which is um, kind of a little booklet that I send after someone does a consult with me who's dealing with acne, I actually have a very long list of pore clogging ingredients. And um, okay. a lot of the ingredient names will make you go cross-eyed because again, <laughs> we yeah. think of them as oils or waxes, but many times they're actually the preservative, uh, the stabilizer, the pH balancer. So these are like these things that you see on the product labels that you're like, I have no idea how to pronounce that. And that's why they're so hidden is that um, it's not it's not obvious when you look at a label as to what as to if it's uh, acne safe or not. Um, so and this is in part why I formulated my products and I did do some body care products too because um, I actually used to know of a couple that were acne safe and now um, they have since changed their formula and so I'm, I'm not aware um, and that happens a lot with uh, makeup um, and hair care which is why I continuously update my um, approved lists for mm-hmm. people oh, so amazing. just so I can clarify you can get like back acne, but not have face acne because that's probably brought on by your products. But if you have face acne, are you more likely to have like body acne other places too? Does it kind of come together or no? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it can kind of flip flop. Yes. I would say generally if somebody is dealing with body acne of some sort, they probably are affected on their face, you know, even occasionally. Right. Um, but um, if somebody has face acne, does that automatically mean they have body acne? No, it has more to do with like which pores or follicles are actually affected. And that can be um, unique to the person because some people can really only get acne like down on their jaw, chin area, yeah. while their friend gets it all over their forehead, but they don't get any on their chin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's a lot that we don't completely understand about Mm -hmm. acne even still wow but you know these um these are are things that you know can make a huge difference in um how we go about treating it as well Yeah, absolutely just because you brought this up one more question the zones kind of like you were saying like i feel like one of my weak spots can be my Mm t-zone and i read somewhere or maybe it was an esthetician that zone of death yeah, the zone of death. No, right. My T zone can be, but like you're right. Some people might be more che- or cheek or chin prone or minor in my hairline almost Hair- always. Well, then that's probably your shampoo. Yeah. Yep, I was about to say shampoo. if you've got body acne going on and I- hairline. Let's talk hair care, sister. I, I overuse <laughs> product. We'll really analyze bad. your shampoo afterwards. Yeah. Um, no, I. But is there something to like if you had a map of the face of why people are more prone to uh, breaking out here to there or is it just yeah their skin like their pores good question so you're referring to like face mapping yes um, face mapping which mm, i would loosely look at that um, because if somebody has acne on their forehead chances are hair care is a huge issue here or they wear a hat a lot or a helmet a lot on the cheeks that is a dead giveaway to me that the person consumes a lot of dairy products Mm. um you know jaw chin area definitely something hormonal is probably triggering that a bit more um neck right down like the sides of your neck dead giveaway you're stressed when you get like the deep painful ones there oh yeah interesting and have you seen a lot of issues with this whole mask knee thing oh my gosh like are people like (laughs) viral is it is it or do you feel like there's truth to that I mean do you feel like the mask can cause mega breakouts a hundred percent and and 
I mean, this is even happening to people who maybe, maybe they've had mild acne um, before, but now it's becoming more of an issue. And there's several reasons why this is. So first of all, um, it has a lot to do with the friction on our face. And um, this is something that we call acne mechanica, which Mm -hmm. um, if you think of like, you know, if you wear a sports bra and then you get a, a pimple where it hits, it's because of the rubbing friction, which irritates okay. the follicle. Makes sense. Then when you're breathing in the mask, it creates this warm, moist environment. Yes. And oh. bacteria bacteria loves a warm, moist environment, which mm-hmm. is also why if you have acne prone skin, avoid steaming your face. Do not get a facial where they steam your face. It will grow the bacteria more rapidly. But Mm. also, many people are not quite mindful enough about when they put their mask on. Like, when was the last time you washed your mask? It should Mm -hmm. be washed absolutely daily if you are acne prone. If you're dealing with active breakouts, I honestly suggest the disposable ones worn once and then tossed out so you don't reintroduce bacteria back on the face. Totally. And then thirdly, you know, if you are washing your mask or if there's a material that's aggravating or irritating your skin, um, when you wash your mask, if you're using a laundry detergent that has dyes or fragrances in it, that is incredibly irritating to the skin. So Mm. I mean, this mask thing is nuts and it's really giving me a run for my money I'm not gonna lie but you know I do have a lot of tips and tricks around that so if you are dealing with that um reach out have a consult with me and then I'll give you all of my recommendations that's good well I want to talk more about the skin treatments um you just brought up steaming and facials and stuff like that because I think my gut instinct would be like yeah go get facials more often um you talked a little bit about some of the things that can be harmful for acne prone skin. Can you embellish on that a little bit more? Like when it comes to treatments, yeah. you mean? Yeah. And this is Things number five avoid. on her list. Yeah. Reasons it can be more common. Your acne can yeah. be more common. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of popular treatments out there that are marketed towards people who have acne prone skin. And I'll, I'll start with this. If somebody comes to my office to have a consult in person with my esthetician, Danny, who is amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you will not get a treatment the first day. And the reason is, is that we need to start you on the products so that we have um, ingredients that are fighting the bacteria. So similar to like if you um, went to get some dental work done or surgery, like dental surgery, they put you on an antibiotic before they start the surgery to kill the bacteria. Same reason. So a lot of times um, my clients have been marketed to with like laser treatments, Mm -hmm. um, deep chemical peels to like start fresh, start over, um, micro needling again to kind of resurface and redo the skin. And the issue with all of these is that, um, you know, it's so traumatic to the skin that maybe, maybe in the beginning you'll see some result, but all of that acne is brewing underneath the skin and it will flare up worse than before. And this is generally what a lot of people experience. So, um, and I even tell clients who I have gotten clear if they've been tempted with getting treatments like a deep peel or like microneedling. The issue is that the way that I clear the skin is I use ingredients systematically on the skin in a continuous, um, you know, method in order to not just address the root cause of acne, but to control the bacteria. Now, in order to get these treatments, you'd have to discontinue those products for a period of time. So that would be the equivalent of stopping or skipping your 
routine, which then would allow new acne to start forming again. So we have to be really mindful when dealing with acne prone skin, what treatments we can do. So like in my office, we do a lot of light therapy Mm-hmm. which has no downtime. Sometimes we'll do some light peels, light chemical mm-hmm. peels where there's the intention is not to peel the skin, um, but more to like renew the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, no downtime. And we also have a tool that um, everybody likes to call the magic wand because it's like a high tech microneedling device that uses a microchip and no needles. So it simulates the same response in the skin by producing new collagen, but with no downtime. Mm. Um, so, so it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So you just have to be really thoughtful yeah. as to like what treatments you go have done. So you're not necessarily saying like microneedling or some of these like anti-aging treatments are bad or are you? Like if you're not prone to acne. Um, I, I think that there's a time and a place for them. I mm-hmm. think that people are not as aware of like risks with them. Um, as they should be. Like, for example, um, the radio frequency microneedling that has become very, very popular lately. Um, it's important to know that part of the reason that we stay youthful is because of fat in our face. Like, that's where we want fat right. because it yeah. gives us that supple, youthful look. Yeah. Radio frequency, when not done thoughtfully, can actually destroy that fat layer. So mm, by yes. doing microneedling with radio frequency all over the face, you might actually be doing a disservice to your skin long term. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm more of the thought process of low and slow wins the race yeah. because when we do aggressive things, we don't realize what they can what impact they have on our skin long term. And with a lot of more um, really, really intense treatments that you get like at a medical spa, you only get a couple shots at it. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to look really strange. Right. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. so yeah. And I did work in medical aesthetics and I could definitely tell who has done what treatments by looking at their skin. So being thoughtful in this yes. is really important. Interesting. And how does um, scarring play into that? Like when I know that if you really have intensive acne, there, how does... How do you avoid the scarring? Is scarring always going to happen? How does that play into it? Especially as we're a- our skin's aging, and I feel like you know the like, yeah. it's not as forgiving as it once was. Right. Mm-hmm. Really good question. So, I mean, the scarring is going to be a little bit dependent on the person. Yeah. Um, you know how the skin reacts when there is a trauma, um, and also. Um, you know, how healthy the skin is in order to recover and repair itself. Um, so, you know, again, that can vary from person to person. So some people could get a pimple and it just turns into like a little pink mark and then it goes away. And we call that um, PIE or post-inflammatory arrhythmia. And um, that's pretty simple and easy to help fade away. Now there's um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation was which is where it leaves like a dark mark behind. And we can do some skin lightening treatments or add in ingredients that help to fade that pigmentation. Um, When it comes to like more textural scarring, um, sometimes that does involve more aggressive treatments. But again, they need to be done really thoughtfully. So for my clients that really have like that deep like um, ice pick or um, box scarring, like the texture, mm -hmm, I I have ideas on how we can go about treating that without um, 
triggering new breakouts from forming or minimizing how many breakouts form after. Um, But it really can vary from person to person. And so there's certain ingredients that like once I get somebody clear, that's when we hit a home run with the scarring because I definitely feel like it's it's not good enough just to have clear skin if you have scarring left behind because right. it looks like you're still, still broken out. Yeah. So, but the the first step is definitely clear the skin and then we focus on the scarring. So I have to ask like the most basic question. When you do get a breakout, let's say, so for example, I might not struggle with like severe or acne, I, you might not call it, but I definitely have breakouts from time to time. Am I to not touch those? ever just let them be my husband gets so upset with me because I'm the worst I am the worst I will be in the mirror poking and pushing and popping yeah all of it what is the best approach there so <laughs> that's I know. a, that's I a know. good question. It's a loaded question. I well, know. I know, right? I'm, I'm supposed to be writing a blog about how to pop a pimple. And I'm like having this internal struggle because I feel like as an esthetician, I'll be like outcasted. Turning by, your card in. Yeah, yeah. basically. And, and I really am not a um, advocate for doing that um, because... Generally speaking, people aren't doing it the right way. Now, when if somebody has cystic acne, like the deep, painful kind, walk away. There is nothing that popping or pressing or playing with it is going to do to because help it. Because where is the acne? When it's cystic like that, and I get those a lot, mm-hmm. like the deep, deep yep. that hurt, mm-hmm. There's no accessing that. Nope. No. And here's the reason why. So the infection is so deep down in the pore, and when... So if you think of it, think, you know, like that um, cross section of a glacier where it's like you see the little bit on top and then under the water, it's ginormous. That's what it looks like. And if you start pressing, popping, even just like playing with it, the bacteria in the pore, what bacteria does is it deteriorates living tissue. So it's already made that follicle wall very, very fragile. So even light pressure on it can burst it internally. And that's why it gets bigger and grows is because it it infects the follicles surrounding it. So when people go to pop a pimple, the biggest risk is that you're going to burst that follicle wall internally. Even if you get a little bit out of the top and you feel all successful and happy, this is a huge risk. And so, and this is a risk for estheticians in the treatment room, which is why a good esthetician will not pop every pimple. Yeah. Okay. They will be very mindful as to what they try to extract because that is also what will lead to scarring. The deeper the infection, the more likely it is to have like that, you know, textural type scarring. Yes. Um, So when it comes to like cystic acne, especially the best thing that you can do for it is ice. Ice. Yes. And here's the reason why. So like, think of it this way. If you had injured your knee, you would ice it to bring down inflammation, right? And Mm. so icing inflamed acne, especially cystic acne, will help bring down that inflammation. Um, But it also helps restrict the blood flow to like hinder the bacteria progression. Mm. And then um, if you're using the appropriate topicals on top, it almost creates like a channel or an opening to allow those to penetrate and work more effectively. So in my acne regimen for all of my clients, after cleansing both morning and nighttime, they're going to grab two ice cubes, roll them around in a continuous motion on the areas that they're breaking out for about a minute, and then they continue with their toner and the rest of their skin regimen. And this is the magic wand to clearing acne. No joke. Oh my gosh. I'm literally blown away because I've been doing it all 
wrong. I Lauren. would never have thought ice. That's so smart. No, yeah, I've that's literally amazing. put a hot, steaming hot cloth on my face, thinking I'm gonna open up my pores and then I'm gonna put in the acne medicine cream and it's gonna soak down in there and it's gonna kill it off. I'm doing it all wrong. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, no, we opened and our eyes. <laughs> that's so common though. Everybody <sighs> thinks that steam or heat yes. is going to open the pores. And you know, this is another skin myth because our pores don't have a muscle. They don't have a sphincter muscle to open and close. So heat and steam does not open them. Neither does cold shrink or close them. And mm-hmm. so the only muscle our skin has is the erector pili muscle. And that's what causes a goosebump. Mm. But oh. opening and closing the pores, it's it's actually not true. And again, going back to like that, that heat humidity from the um, wearing a mask and getting masked knee, that is going to rapidly encourage bacteria to grow. Yeah. So fascinating. That's fascinating. Wow, it really is. I mean, okay, I, I know that you have a whole spread of product, but like if you were to just kind of talk to the average person, like us, maybe that not full-blown acne, what should a skin regimen look like? And I mean, I, that's also for acne, but also let's talk, I mean, just slightly on like aging and like we're trying to just take care of the elasticity of our skin and everything. What should kind of an average um, skin product regimen look like for, you know, a woman in their 30s? Really good question. So, I mean, I'll break it down kind of simply. We've talked a lot about acne and, and I love acne because again, I personally deal with it, but I do deal with a lot of other skin conditions yes. um, that are especially um, affecting moms, such as melasma, which yes. is known as pregnancy mask. And it's that um, that pigmentation that looks kind of cloudy on the skin. Um, but to go back to like, what does a basic acne regimen need to have? So we need to uh, cleanse and in cleansing, um, that would include toning the skin, yes, um, which is really important because we want to remove any residue from the tap water, which can also be drying or irritating and potentially aging on the skin. So cleansing and toning is part yes. of it. Okay. Um, treating the root cause of acne is important. Controlling the acne bacteria is important. Uh, moisturizing the skin and then sun protection. When it comes to more of like an anti-aging or um, lightening or brightening uh, regimen, the keys again are going to be, you know, that basic cleansing, you know, moisturizing, sunscreen. And then the other two key components are going to be preventative in the daytime, which generally is going to be kind of like our vitamin C serum, which is our antioxidant serum. A lot Mm -hmm. of you have probably heard about that um, because preventing the breakdown of collagen and elastin and preventing sun damage from forming is half the battle. Then at nighttime when we sleep, just like how we know like our brains regenerate and our bodies regenerate, our skin really regenerates. So it's super important to make sure you have a great nighttime routine because that's your best shot at making change to the skin. And so this is where we would incorporate um, kind of the treatment serums, which would include things like, um, you know, alpha hydroxy acids, retinols. Um, For lightening pigmentation, it's going to be pigment correctors like hydroquinone, kojic acid, azelaic acid, Mm -hmm. um, things like that that are going to make that change to the skin. And so, you know, I would I would say if you're dealing more with like um, anti-aging or pigmentation concerns and you're not consistent with a skin regimen, you know, that's the first step. Whatever you've got on hand, just start getting consistent. You're going to see immediate change to your skin. Interesting. Oh, oh, go ahead. We just have so many questions. I know. know. The melasma to 
sunspots. What are they similar? Are they totally different? Because melasma, I know from like pregnancy, but I feel like now I, as I'm approaching my late 30s here, I, the sunspot thing is very much like I can just see like darkening spots that I'm assuming is from sun, but maybe it is more connected to like the melasma thing. What is the difference or like, and, and then I guess, yeah, you just said it's a brightening serum. Is that what you would recommend with treating that type of thing? Good question. So melasma is really its own entity because what's interesting is, is that even though sun exposure could darken melasma, say somebody just was in a dark room their entire life, right. if they are genetically predisposed to melasma and they have a hormonal shift that triggers it, it, it would still show up on them. Okay. So whereas sun damage is actually caused from, from the, the sun. sun. And it, it is um, where our melanocytes are affected by the UV rays, basically, that darkens them over time. Like when you're a kid, you know, you get such mm-hmm. a beautiful tan. As we get older, it, the pigmentation, like the tan is starting to kind of not be as like even and yes, smooth. Right. And it's because our melanocytes or our melanin skin cells, they start to kind of cluster together and create these dark spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are quite different. What's interesting is as much as I've talked about acne and all the triggers, melasma has its own significant triggers. And so I have my melasma manual that goes into detail about this. And if somebody's dealing with that, we want to make sure we go over all the triggers because again, Many of the things out there, especially treatments for melasma, will darken it ultimately. Oh, interesting. Um, Laser treatments, microneedling, all these things that cause trauma on the skin will actually darken it ultimately. And if it's done repeatedly too many times, it'll push the pigment into the dermis where it cannot be faded anymore. So if you think you're dealing with melasma and the telltale signs of that is it really looks like a cloud of pigmentation on your skin. It's mm-hmm. not like freckles. It's not like random spots or anything like that. It's it's literally like a cloud. And generally, um, women will find it like forehead or like upper lip. Um, yes, right. I have it on my cheeks. cheeks. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And there's so, no amount of makeup that will cover it. I know. It's yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, so I yeah, know. working on um, fading that. And and just like acne, there's no cure for it. I can't make the acne gene go away. I also cannot make melasma go away, but we can control it and fade it to the point where it's not so noticeable. But you've got to be on your game. You've got to avoid the triggers. You've got to know what to do in order to like maintain that. So, Because you probably find too that even during different points of the month, it might look darker and that's not in your head. That's actually because of the hormonal fluctuations yeah. you're dealing and with. And if I forget sunscreen, oh, like, yeah. forget about Game it. over. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, totally. Um, I have to ask the question really quick because we talked a lot about acne. I have a handful of people in my life who don't necessarily struggle with acne, but they have large pores. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? Is there anything they can do to minimize that? Or yeah, talk to talk to me about pores just a little bit. Yeah, so um, kind of going back to how we talked about in the beginning, how pore size is really genetic. Okay, chances are they probably have oilier skin, um, and that oil production can also kind of dilate the pores some. Okay, so I would want to get to the root cause of like what's 
what is causing this excessive dryness because, or I'm sorry, oiliness, because a lot of times people with oily skin, like me, I have very oily skin, but I also get very tight, dry, and flaky, and especially living here in the desert, Mm -hmm. which is like the worst place for skin. Yes. Um, So when the skin is dehydrated or water dry, what happens for somebody who produces a lot of oil is that the skin can't produce its own water moisture. Mm. And even if you drink tons of water, it's not like the water in your tummy knows how to get to the outermost layers of your skin. Mm -hmm. So when the skin is dehydrated or lacking that water moisture, what it signals to the oil glands is to produce more oil to try to compensate. But again, that's not what the skin is needing. So then people wind up feeling like super greasy, but then flaky and dry at the same time. And that can affect all sorts of things on the skin, including irritation or even like, you know, how your pore size looks. So balancing that oil production is key. And then also by using um, ingredients that are resurfacing to the skin or encourage, um, more cell turnover okay. um, that can help to refine the texture of the skin. So many times it's because they have like a sluggish turnover rate that mm. in, like increases that um, kind of orange peel type of look. Interesting. So we can okay. improve upon that, but again, we can't change yeah. the pore size. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It's just so fascinating. We could go on and on and <laughs> on and we're almost at an hour, but Man, there's just a wealth of knowledge that you have. Yeah, you are. You were like a skin genius here. Just touching on what you said with the pores, how much water should we be drinking to make sure we're like hydrating our skin? Looking luminous. Yeah, you're not going to love this answer. So I suggest kind of like a gallon, especially out here in the desert. That sounds like a lot of water. And if you're not used to drinking that much water, you're going to be peeing all the time. Yes. But literally increasing your water intake will make a huge difference on your skin because healthy hydrated cells will act more yeah. appropriately yes yeah. and um over or, and and they'll look more radiant and stuff so yeah. you know increasing that is huge so i would say chances are if you're listening to this you're not drinking enough water because yeah. i rarely we, meet somebody who yeah, is nobody ever is like <laughs> so, more more so water drink enough drink more water and are there any ingestibles like yeah. vitamins that you you take mm-hmm. like or suggest totally talk to me about that so Always check with your doctor first um, before starting a supplement um, because this is not medical advice. But some of the supplements that are really beneficial for hair, skin, and nails, it is not biotin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And by the way, biotin is a huge acne trigger. Oh, yeah. um, But what is proven to help a lot with hair, skin, and nails is uh, omega-3 fish oil. Okay. Okay. and vitamin D3, which many of us are not getting enough of. Um, so again, check with your doctor. Make sure these things are good for you to take. Amazing. But, you know, I also, for from an anti-aging perspective, I do like um, resveratrol, um, which is it kind of became trendy years ago because it's like that red wine thing. I don't where, know that one. Resveratrol. Um, do you? No, I don't no, think so. I don't. It's an antioxidant that's found in like... Um, uh, like 
grapes, like the um, skin of grapes and stuff. So that's why like years ago, drinking wine became like, oh, it's so anti-aging. And, uh, you know, well, the alcohol kind of outweighs that. But um, resveratrol is a supplement that you can take. Um, Again, you know, this is where it's great working with a naturopath because a lot of the resveratrol on the market is not high enough levels in order to actually have an impact. Um, So, you know, making sure that you're taking the right amount. Also, um, ubiquinol or uh, coenzyme Q10. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps a lot with like our like healthy cell regeneration because as we get older, um, we we start to kind of lose that connection where our cells know what to do, and so this helps a lot with that. Yeah. Um, and you know, for our brain, for all sorts of different things. So those are kind of my um, key. Uh, supplements as well as uh, peptides, collagen peptides. Oh, collagen. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is is that there are three different types of collagen peptides. Um, type one and three are from bovine or cow, which is the most commonly bought on the market. And then there's also marine collagen, which is from fish scales, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and that is the one that is most beneficial for skin. It's the most bioavailable to be used by the skin for support and nourishment. Wow. Um, and so I suggest that to a lot of my clients. However, it's really important to know that by taking collagen, it does not produce collagen in your skin. It doesn't work that way, but it helps a lot with inflammation. It helps a lot with hydration. It helps a lot um, just to kind of support healthy skin. So these are some things to consider. So these hair, skin, and nail vitamins, not good. No. And it's interesting because biotin is something that we naturally get in our food. And it's quite rare for somebody to have a biotin deficiency. Mm. Very, very rare. And furthermore, if somebody who's acne prone is taking a supplement that has biotin, massive breakouts. And what's interesting is that if you're taking a multivitamin or a prenatal at home right now, go check the label. I bet you it has biotin in it because it's very difficult to find multivitamins that don't anymore. Unfortunately, um, the one that I do know of that's a prenatal is the Ollie uh, prenatal Mm -hmm. gummy vitamins, which clients have been reaching out to me because everybody's sold out of it right now. And I'm like, great. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Yes. uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So look for the look for biotin. Okay. That's incredible. Well, Emmy, again, thank you so much. It's just been so enlightening, really, sitting here talking to you. I've got a lot of improvements to make. <laughs> I know. No, this is hugely helpful. And yeah. I think all our listeners have something to take away from this because, I mean, you know, zitter two here or, you know, just acne, you yeah. know, there's some, we're all kind of in between and all can benefit from this with our skin. So thank you so much for the your time. You are like so knowledgeable. I know. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. It's incredible. There really is a science to it. And mm-hmm. it's just like that. It's beyond. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. And find Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm Emmy Diane all over social media, both Facebook and Instagram. Um, our website is um, emmydiane.com. And on there, you can find my online consultation form, because even if you've learned a lot today, um, my suggestions will be unique to you. And we should do some troubleshooting, because I definitely think that everyone deserves personalized attention when it comes to their skin and i just want to clarify it's e-m-m-e diane d 
I A N E dot com. Yes. Um, some people spell Emmy with a Y. Yes. We, um, yes. So I want to make sure and clarify that. All right. Well, that will be it for today. Again, there's so much more info on her site. She has a great blog as well where you put a lot of great info on there. I kind of got lost in it one day and um, yeah, there's just lots of good resources. So go check it out and make sure you're following her on Instagram. You post a lot of really helpful stuff on there too. So that's fun to follow along. All right, Lauren, anything else? No, that will do it. Okay, guys. Well, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please share us with your family and friends. We really do grow that way and we appreciate all the listens. And if you like the show, please head over and give us a rating and a review and make sure you are subscribed. You can find us online at the Mom Boys Podcast or online at mom-boys.com. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Take care of each other. Bye-bye.